I'm here today with Dr. Daniel Williams, Jr. Daniel has over 26 years of clinical experience in mental health. He's worked in forensic psychology, treating adult patients who are unfit to stand trial. He's also treated emotionally disturbed children and adolescents in an inpatient psychiatric facility. Dr. Williams is a former faculty member of the University of Phoenix, where he has taught graduate psychology courses for 10 years, teaching advanced abnormal psychology and ethics classes. He also taught at Buena Vista University in Storm Lake, Iowa. Mr. Williams has a doctorate degree in clinical psychology from the Illinois School of Professional Psychology, where he also earned his master's degree in clinical psychology. He has a master's degree in social work from the University of Illinois, Chicago, and a BA from George Williams College. Daniel is an ordained minister and a former professional baseball player with the Pittsburgh Pirates organization. He's a member of the American Psychological Association and also a member of the Screen Actors Guild. His new book is titled, Why Do Americans Hate Americans? So, Daniel, uh, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's a pleasure to be here. Well, congratulations on all you've accomplished. You've got quite a career, um, you know, that you've been able to pull off. So I really uh, am impressed by that. Uh, uh, maybe tell us a little bit more about, you know, all the different kinds of work that you've done. Well, um, I do have a back background in uh, psychology. Also, I have a background in ministry, and as I mentioned, I used to be a professional baseball player uh, with the Pittsburgh Pirates organization years ago. Um, I've done various jobs when I was working and living in Chicago, uh, teaching uh, individuals to prepare for the GED. Also, I work in group homes in Park Ridge called Edison Park Home, and I did that for uh, a few months before I went with the state of Illinois and worked in mental health for about 26 years. Hmm. And I have always worked two jobs. <laughs> One, <laughs> yeah, it's just something in me. I, I like working. I like, like to be busy. That's a good thing. Yes, 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 absolutely. And it makes me more humble because I learned things I did not learn. And you cannot stop learning because if you stop learning, you stop growing. When you stop growing, you end up, like a, a flower, you, you wilter and you end up dying. So learning is a, a lifetime process. For me, it is. And I, I have a passion for learning. Actually, I have a passion for teaching and training. So if I'm going to be a teacher and a trainer, I must learn new things to teach people. I totally agree. Um, I feel the same way about learning and, and, and doing that you know, on a lifelong basis. So I'm glad to hear your passion for that. <laughs> So, so tell us about this book. Um, what inspired you to write it? Years ago, I had three persons to tell me that I'll be writing a book. This has been over 10, 15 years ago. I said, me? No, I don't have what it takes to write a book. I, I'm not an author. I don't write. I'm still trying to get out of school <laughs> and dealing with that. And uh, the last person told me that was my supervisor. And she went so far to give me a journal and a pen to start jogging things down. <laughs> and she was pushing the issue. So I thought about it. I said, okay, let me just see what this is all about. So I just sometimes jot something down, maybe a title or phrase, and just leave it there for weeks, sometimes months, and, and, and wouldn't touch it. And then this last person was one of my managers where I worked at with the state, and he said, you have a lot to share. You have a lot to say. And I said, okay. 
<laughs> and uh, I think I started thinking and thinking, and then October the 3rd, 2019, I started writing. Mm. Right before the pandemic. Mm. I don't know why, but I just started <laughs> writing. <laughs> and then uh, I, I thought about topics that were dear to me. And that one topic uh, about Americans, hate Americans, actually it came from a conversation I had with a colleague when I was working in forensic in Elgin Mental Health Center. And he and I got into discussion about how badly Americans were treating each other. And I came out and I stated that Americans hate Americans. And he said, no, they don't. <laughs> so we, we had that impasse with that. So and they just stuck with me for years and years because I didn't know what to write about when it was time for me to start writing. Then I went back to that the conversation I had with that colleague, Americans hate Americans. And then you see so much stuff in the media. You see stuff in the news. Uh, you personally witness things. Like I mentioned in my book, I personally been a victim of both uh, uh, black and white crime as well as people who are not African-American and uh, I just took that and started working with it as a foundation. Also, I want to say this, that uh, as an American, we have an obligation to try to make a difference in the society. And I thought writing this book would help Americans to look at themselves and how they treat each other and to give them something that was practical and meaning, and they can use their lives. So that's the main reason why I wrote this book, because I wanted to make a difference. I love my country. Uh, I think we are the best country on earth. There are so many people I met abroad who wants to come here and live here because we have so much to offer. But right now, we're in a crisis. We are not only just the uh, COVID-19, but racial relations, uh, so I am somewhat semi-retired, and I had the time to start this book and finish it. I, I finished it uh, last year, October 2020, and uh, I got it published, and uh, the rest is history. Well, um, you know, I, I totally agree with your sentiment about, you know, at this stage of our lives, you know, kind of giving back, you know, and trying to benefit our country, our society, you know, try to deal with some of these terrible issues that we, we have. Um, now the title of the book, you know, why do Americans hate America certainly grabs one's attention, right? So, you know, what, what, <laughs> what compelled you to choose that title? <laughs> I wanted to get the attention of people and I want people to say, okay, what is this all about? Americans hate Americans. And, uh, you can either open the pages and take a look at it, or you can say, no, I'm not interested because it seems to be anti-American. It is not. If you read the book, it's not. I got a lot of feedback from people from, from, from all walks of life, and they're so amazed at some of the things I've written about. Even my mother read the book, my sister, my brother. And everyone has a different perspective on the book, but I wanted to, to pique the interest of someone who would see the title and I'm hoping to get more people to read it. And that's one of the reasons why I'm promoting it and trying to get it to the mainstream. It's not a black and white issue. It's an American issue. It's, it's an American problem. And we need all Americans to uh, help out with this situation we had. Uh, 
Black Americans Hate Americans is based on racism. Racism is a social disease. And uh, racism is predicated on economics, race, and oppression. Those are the three tenets I, I use and learn in school to learn about racism and poverty. I, I, I learned extensively about poverty and racism while I was in school. And somehow people have different ideas about racism. Some people call racism, call uh, everything racist. And it's not, it can be discrimination, it can be bigotry, it can be prejudice, but it's not always racist or racism. Hmm. Interesting. So, so let's kind of pull apart, you know, the different aspects of hate you know, that you see and you talk about in the book. Um, how, how do you see that manifesting itself in our country? I think that people have a lack of knowledge about each other, about each other's uh, background, uh, ethnic, history, music, and not making an effort to get to know people on a one-to-one basis. So fear has a lot to do with people not willing to get to know people and just start making assumptions or perceptions, make perceptions of people, and they're not always accurate. And uh, there's an evil spirit about hatred. And uh, it's, it's not something that you take lightly, and it's been perpetuating in this country since day one. But I think as, as a country, we have an opportunity to make a difference. We, this is not our first time we went through a uh, unrest. I, I'd seen it in the 60s when I was in, the, when I was in uh, uh, grade school. I saw tanks uh, in the middle of my streets going down my neighborhood. Uh, GIA, uh, National Guards posted at uh, stores. And uh, the West Side of Chicago was pretty much ruined during the 60s. It was very intense. And uh, there was a lot of hatred, and it still is. But I think that when you see people blending together, that would dis somewhat dissipate a little bit, but it's still prevalent in our society. So again, hatred is predicated on evil. So, you know, um, you know, I think your book, you know, sheds a lot about this topic. Um, do you talk much about practical steps that we can do something about? Yes, I, I do. At the end of the book, I make some suggestions. I make some uh, recommendations. I offer methods, ideas, how we can go about uh, make this country a better place. For one, when you see someone who's different than you, try to acknowledge the person in your presence. If you make eye contact, just greet the person. Say hello. Give a nod. Uh, if you know someone who is different from you, from a different background, uh, invite the person out for a cup of tea or coffee just to get the Throw the person on a uh, platonic level, not that you, you're looking to date the person. Um, we're coming up to uh, the holiday season. People get in the spirit of, of, of giving and serving. Make that a lifestyle. Do that year-round. Volunteer. Uh, get to know people. Get to know your neighbors. Some, some people do not know their neighbors. Uh, offer... Um, to make something, maybe uh, a batch of cookies or invite the person over for tea or coffee. Uh, just human nature. 
we are social animals. We like to socialize. Unfortunately, technology has tampered that, have, have made us less social and sociable. And, but by nature, we like to socialize, we like to engage, we like to have contact with each other. You, you see that quite uh, prevalent now with there are more uh, pet owners. People need to feel that love. And that's a big uh, uh, problem we have in this society, a lack of love. And I, I've been pushing that in the, the latter part of my book about love. Love is the answer to all of this. And people have different understanding about love and what it means to love. And I do define that in my book and how to suggest we can love each other. If we love each other, we can get along better. And I think love is the answer to all of this hatred in this country as well as in the world. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I think, you know, COVID really has hurt too in terms of the socialization that, you know, that you were describing that, you know, people were treated, you know, by necessity, so to speak, into their home. And um, at least we can still connect in technology like this, right? And it's, it's a positive thing. But overall, you know, the groups that we had previously spent a fair amount of time with have been, you know, off limits in some sense. Um, and also, it seems like many of the institutions that we counted on um, for some of the cohesiveness that maybe um, exhibit at least, you know, in, in some circles or whatever. But um, how do you see getting back to that um, and, and restarting, you know, or resupporting, I guess I should say, re reactivating some of the institutions and, and social relationships that we've, I don't say lost, but certainly um, decreased recently. People need to do the right thing and things will get better. Our leadership is making an effort to get us out this, this, this bind here. Uh, we need to comply with the CDC protocol we need to comply with the leadership, even though you may not agree with it, but it's an effort to get us back. Now, this is not the first time we've been in this, this jam here. Back in the, uh, the Great Depression, we had a pandemic, polio. Then we had World War II. We had three things going at one time, the Great Depression, the polio, the polio pandemic, and the World War II. And we made our way out of that. We had uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt. He was stricken by polio. He was paralyzed from waist down. But he helped us get out of the jam, not only with the pandemic, but the Great Depression and the war. So we need to be willing to be led because we, we, we chose these leaders. If we want someone different, I mean, this is, is a Democrat society. That's when you vote. You vote the person out or you vote someone in there that you like. But we got to stop leaning too much on the leadership. We had to look at ourselves and try to do things what we can do. Mm -hmm. uh, it's easy to point the finger and say, well, they're not doing what they're supposed to do. Well, what are you doing to make a difference? That's the key. Exactly. That's look, look, just look at yourself in the mirror. And that's <laughs> what I really want to do with this book. How can I help? Because... 
it, it, this, there's, a, there's a lot of things that went behind this book because I didn't want to write this book. I, I was trying to move. And I was, taking, I was taking care of my wife at the same time. And I kept getting nudge, nudge, nudge. And when the pandemic hit, I said, okay, I'm done. I will wait. And then I got nudged. Okay, I need to set a deadline about this. Uh, when I'm going to finish the book. So we as Americans, as I mentioned at the very beginning of this interview, we have an obligation to make a difference in society and make it better. So um, is there a particular audience that you've targeted the book for? All Americans. <laughs> all Americans. All walks of life. If you're American and you live in America, I strongly suggest that you read my book and give me feedback. There are ways you can contact me via social media. That's on the back of my, my uh, cover page, my cover uh, book. And uh, I would love to hear your comments, your criticism, your suggestions. Uh, I've been interviewing people who have read the book and there are mixed reviews about it. From, from, I mean, there's not one way that all African-Americans feel or one way non-African-Americans feel. They, they are very uh, intertwined. And I was very surprised. Like I said, it's, this is not a black and white issue. This is an American issue. This is a people person, a people issue in America. So all Americans need to read my book. I, I'm trying to reach the mainstream. I don't want to just think it is, is, America, is, is a, a black issue or only African-Americans should read the book. No, all Americans should read this book. So um, I know you're still in the midst of, you know, getting the word out about this book. Do you have any other future books? <laughs> oh, Brian. <laughs> ah, well, let's say that um, I've been giving uh, a vision to do something <laughs> uh, for the near future. And not to disclose everything, I, I, I will say that uh, uh, all these things that come to me, they're not for me, they're a gift from God. This book, Why Americans in America, is, is not about I created. God gave me this gift to give to Americans. And I am a pragmatic, visionary person. And I like to do things that make sense, they're sensible, and I do envision things. And, and the second, if I get a chance to do a second, third book, uh, it would not come from me, per se. Sure, sure. I can, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I always find it fascinating, you know, what the process was that somebody got their first book published. How did that work for you? Oh, my God. <laughs> Brian, um, when I had the notion to have a desire to write a book, I started asking around if people knew anyone who had written a book. And I was not getting too much cooperation. But as I got closer to finishing my book, I had a buddy I grew up with. He gave me a name, and that person gave me another name. I ended up meeting a publisher. My book is self-published. So she got me started, and she's not a full-time publisher for my book, but she provided me some guidance direction. Plus, I had to compensate her for that. Um, so that's how I got started. Um, 
Interesting. Interesting. It's a, everyone takes a different path, you know, I find. And, and so it's always fascinating to, to hear that. Um, yeah. So where can people learn about the book and, and about your work? I have a website called focusonme.us. Focusonme.us. Uh, my website, you can order, order the book. Also, my website offers online counseling. Uh, if you want to go with a different direction, you can also go on Amazon.com. Uh, so you have two options, my website and Amazon.com. Good, good. Well, Daniel, um, it's really great to learn about you and your work, and thanks for reaching out to contact us about it. And uh, wish, wish you the best of luck with uh, the rest of the book launch. Well, thank you so much, Brian, for having me. It was, it was great interacting with you and sharing you sharing what I have been, been doing, and I hope that we continue to have a dialogue later C on. Certainly, <laughs> certainly. Thanks very much. Thank you, Brian.